Now, Matthew chapter 28, Matthew's account of the resurrection and the responsibility we have as Christians in light of the resurrection. Matthew writes, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat in it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now as I have told you, So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus came to them. Greetings, he said. Imagine that moment, if you were Mary. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would meet you this morning from your living word, and that you would take us, as it were, to that first Easter morning, when you met with the women, greeted them, and they fell at your feet and worshipped you. And when you said to them and to us, do not be afraid, go and tell the good news of the gospel to the nations of the earth. And Lord, if we are here and we're not yet convinced Christians, we pray that you would help us to understand what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Seeing is believing. That's the first heading you'll see on the service sheet. Seeing is believing. How do you know that something you intuitively think has not happened or could not happen has, in fact, happened? You go and look and see it for yourself. 
or you look for witnesses who have seen it firsthand. In the first service with the children, Andy Buchan told the children that Andy Robertson was in the Grange Hall dressed as Superman and that anyone who came to see him after the service would get a chocolate egg. Unbelievable. (laughs) So we sent three reliable witnesses to the hall, including two lawyers. (laughs) And of course they came back and told the children it was true. And they were right. Andy appeared after the service, dressed as Superman, and handed out eggs. He's no longer dressed as Superman, but he still has some eggs. So what happens if you can't see for yourself You look for reliable witnesses, how our judicial system works. Testimonies from people who saw for themselves what had happened. And that's exactly what the Gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are. They are eyewitness testimonies of what happened. Maybe you're very new to Christianity. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, these four books are eyewitness accounts from people who saw and wrote down what they saw. Matthew writes his account with us in mind. People who cannot see for themselves because we were not there, but need reliable witnesses who were. Notice the repeated refrain in the text. Look with me in the passage. We read, verse 6, He is not here, he is risen, just as he said, Come and see. Verse 7, then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Verses 8 and 9, as the women are running to tell the disciples, Jesus met them. They see Jesus. As I said when we read it, that's a wonderful moment, isn't it? A wonderful moment Jesus describes. Jesus met them. Notice he meets them. His purpose in meeting them, to strengthen their testimony, yes, but more than that, just kindness and compassion. Matthew's account of Jesus' death that we looked at on Good Friday evening ends with these women, the two Marys and the mother of James and John, watching him die, and now they are the first to see him alive. How wonderfully kind the Lord is. They will always be the first to have seen him alive. And when they saw him, they came to him, bowed down before him, clasped his feet, held on to him, no doubt drenched his feet with tears, and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Seeing is believing. And of course that is exactly what happened. Look forward to verse 16. Later on in the chapter, then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, when they saw him. They worshipped him, but some doubted. There's a bit of uh, human realism there. Some doubted. Seeing is believing. The other gospel books, the Acts of the Apostles, And a number of the New Testament letters expand on this line of eyewitness testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. Now, why is it so important to establish the facts in this way? Why is it so important to emphasize this eyewitness testimony? Well, 
the obvious answer is because the resurrection of a dead person is not believable without evidence. Intuitively, we think this could not happen. And so we need rigorous evidence to convince us that it did, and that is what we have. That's why it's so important to emphasize this eyewitness testimony. Let me come at it a slightly different way. The whole Christian message, everything we believe, every creed, every testimony of a Christian, the whole of the purpose of the church, universal in the world, hinges on the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. If he died and was not resurrected, his death did not forgive our sins. If he died and was not resurrected, the judgment of God was not dealt with. If he was not resurrected, we have no hope in the face of death. No resurrection, no everlasting life, no resurrection, no gospel, nothing to say. Seeing is believing. Every time we run a Christianity Explored course, some of you here have just completed one, one of the first things we do is explain to those investigating Christianity that according to the accepted academic conventions for attesting the reliability of historical evidence, the gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, are way ahead, miles ahead of anything else in the ancient world literature. It's not that the evidence is weak, it is very strong. People rarely reject Christianity in the end because of a lack of evidence. You can't, logically. People reject Christianity. I was, in a sense, scripted to say people reject Christianity because they will not believe the evidence. I'm not even sure that's true. People reject Christianity because they stay at a distance from the evidence. You just watch from the periphery and almost don't have the courage to take the evidence on at face value. Maybe that's a description of you. But I encourage you to let the facts, let the eyewitness testimony persuade you that while intuitively you think it is unbelievable that a dead person lives, it is true. One of the areas that has been shelved in our church life for a couple of years as we've gone through this complex process as a church, one of the things that's been shelved is our commitment to be trained and equipped, all of us, to read the Bible one-to-one with people who are not Christians. You can't just go and do that. It's not easy. And that vision to equip many of us to engage in this kind of evangelism will come off the shelf. It's encouraging to hear this week that Richard Cunningham Rebecca Manley Pippert, two very gifted evangelists, are going to come and help us to do that. To train us. That we might, as a church family, be liberated to teach the Bible one-to-one to explain it. That we might let the Word of God persuade people that Jesus is alive. 
So will you begin to pray with me on this Easter day for the new church and its vision to release the word of God amongst the many people in this city who God has prepared to hear it and we are going to tell them. People are going to train us and help us to do that. Seeing is believing when they saw him. And when people in this city see him, as we explain the Bible to them, they came to him and they fell at his feet and they worshipped him as their Lord and their Saviour. Now second, I want us to focus for a moment on Jesus' words, do not be afraid. If seeing and believing is a refrain through Matthew's text, so also is the powerful statement, do not be afraid. It comes first from the angel, verse 5, do not be afraid. I think if I'd seen an angel sitting on a rock, I would have been afraid. The angel says to them, do not be afraid. And to the women, of course, the angel is, is God, it's supernatural, it's divine being. Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified, who was dead. He is not here. Why? Because he is alive. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The women hurry to tell the disciples, verse 8, still afraid, but joy is beginning to dawn in their hearts. And then Jesus met them as they were running to the disciples. And as they hung on to him, what did he say to them? Do not be afraid. The first words of the risen Jesus to the world. Yes, to Mary and Mary, but the first words of the risen Jesus to the world. Greetings, do not be afraid. It's me, essentially, is what he's saying. The Greek is informal. He's saying, it's me. I'm alive. Do not be afraid. What are you afraid of? We had some pictures earlier. They included dogs, heights, earwigs, spiders, snakes, planes. And then Andy put a picture of a graveyard on the screen. What are you afraid of? What's the biggie in our world? It strikes fear into the hearts of every man and woman. The answer, of course, is death. And what is it that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus gives us confidence not to fear? Supremely, death. Listen to these words, familiar to many of us, yet profoundly true for the Christian. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Literally, if the Lord Jesus is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear nothing, for you are with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now that's Psalm 23, and David, the writer of the psalm, knew that before Jesus had come, had died, had risen again. In faith he believed this with all of his heart. How much more confidence and assurance can we have as we read the testimonies of people who saw Jesus alive? Do not be afraid of death.
Maybe as a Christian, you've never really got a hold of this, that death, that last enemy of humanity, need hold no fear of you. The moment you die, you will be with God, and when the Lord Jesus returns, your body will be raised immortal. You will live with the Lord Jesus in a new creation for eternity. Let me do something outrageous on Easter Sunday morning. I'm going to ask you, just for a moment, to think about your funeral. Isn't that terrible? But that's the boldness of the gospel. Think of your funeral. And somebody like me, not be me because I'll be dead and gone, saying these words at your funeral, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ who lives. Let the fact of the resurrection of Jesus and the fact that because he was raised, you will be raised, let that banish your deepest fears and replace them with joy in the Lord. You will live forever. What a message for the world to hear. Now with Jesus' words, do not be afraid. They speak perhaps most powerfully in the face of death. They can be applied so much more widely than that. They embrace all that the cross has achieved one of the most powerful implications of Jesus' resurrection is that it validates the cross. Do not be afraid, you will live forever because I am alive, Jesus. Do not be afraid, you are fully forgiven because I have been raised from the dead. Do not be afraid for the wrath of God, his judgment for you, if you believe, has been extinguished. And in life, Think of the 23rd Psalm. If the Lord is my shepherd, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid whatever circumstance you face, whatever uncertainties you face, for the Christian has a real living relationship with the Lord Jesus. We have nothing to fear. Uh, this is not some kind of glib otherworldliness. It's a deep rooted, seated confidence that comes from the fact that even death we need not fear. Maybe this Easter day, as a Christian, you really need to hear the words of the Lord Jesus. There may be stuff in your life that you need to hear these words, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And imagine yourself like these two women holding on to the feet of the Lord Jesus. And the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's God in you. Remember the initiative is always with you. He met them. Maybe by the power of the Holy Spirit he meets you now and he says to you, as you take a hold of his feet, as it were, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Seeing is believing. Jesus said, do not be afraid. And third and finally, Jesus said, go and tell. Again, this is a refrain through Matthew's text, verse 7. The angel speaking to the women, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead. Verse 10, Jesus speaking to the women, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. Go and tell the good news that Jesus Christ has risen. 
when you discover good news, you go and tell people because you're excited and you want them to know what you know. But you tell them not only because you are excited, but also because other people need to know. The Christian gospel is not an, it's not just the kind of news that people might just be interested in. It is a need to know news that our sins can be forgiven and there is everlasting life in the Lord Jesus. There cannot be more exciting nor important news to share in the streets, in the schools, in the universities, in countries where that news has never been heard. There cannot be more exciting message to share than the fact that the last enemy death has been done away with. What a wonderful message to share. Let me flip the coin. What a necessary message to share, for without faith in the Lord Jesus there is no forgiveness. For without faith there is no life, no hope, no everlasting life. For those with no faith, the prospect of an everlasting eternity under God's judgment. It is a joyful message to share, but an urgent one. The Lord Jesus says many complicated things. We've wrestled through John's Gospel and all of its simplicity and its complexity. What does the Lord Jesus say here? Just after he comes out of the tomb, he says, go and tell. That's not complicated. Just go and tell. Notice verse 10 off the back of Jesus' words, go and tell. Verse 10, there's an attempt by the Jewish religious authorities to distort the truth, to twist the truth. It's horrible, this stuff, isn't it? Verse 11 while the women were on their way to go and tell. Some of the guards went to the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priest met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you were to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money, did as they were told. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. The religious leaders devise a plan to distort the truth, to suppress the truth. Striking, it's tragic. The covenant people of God reject the Messiah of God that has been sent to them. But the gospel, what well, is the gospel checked? Is the gospel shackled because of this false story that is spread? But the gospel is unstoppable and cannot be suppressed. Right on day one, the Lord Jesus, fresh out of the tomb. And it's striking, he's just fresh out of the tomb. And a story is spun against the gospel on day one. And right through the history of the church, the gospel has been opposed, distorted, twisted, changed. But the true gospel, and there is only one true gospel, cannot be suppressed. It is unstoppable. It's like a bushfire uncontrollable. And the truth, of course, of the New Testament is that opposition is, is precisely the catalyst that advances the gospel. Opposition is how the gospel is clarified and sharpened. 
Opposition is how a church gets clearer and sharper and more focused on the gospel. And truth is seen in sharp contrast to falsehood. The religious establishment in Jerusalem sought to suppress the truth and the gospel went to the world. Verse 16, then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. Go and tell the whole world the good news of the gospel. And it's the true gospel we need to tell. Christ crucified and Christ risen. The gospel for the forgiveness of sins and the gospel for eternal life in Jesus. Only that gospel changes lives. So go and tell. Go and tell the good news to the nations of the earth, to this nation, to this city. God has many people in this city, in the world for his kingdom. Go and tell the good news that God might bring them into his kingdom. Let me leave you with this thought. As we look towards the 10th of May in the conference for the new church, and all that lies ahead of that as the new church begins, let me take something else off the shelf, as it were, and that is church planting. What God is going to do in our hearts as we begin the new church, is give us a larger heart for this city. And with our gospel partners in this city, a larger heart to plant churches in communities in this city where there are no gospel churches. And there are many places in this city where there are no living gospel churches. God will give us a heart to plant churches that will themselves plant churches. So much that has constrained us will soon be behind us. And together we commit to that exciting vision. It's not our vision. It's not an abnormal vision. It's a normal vision. And it's in response to the Lord Jesus' words, which are simple and clear to understand. Go and tell. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And the final words of the Lord Jesus recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel. And they're steady, strong words, aren't they? They go with, do not be afraid. Surely I am with you always. If you proclaim this gospel, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these strong words in Matthew's gospel. Thank you for the evidence that Jesus is alive, that seeing is believing. Thank you that people who saw the risen Jesus wrote down these testimonies that we might see and believe. 
And these strong words of the Lord Jesus, do not be afraid, even of death, that last enemy. Need hold no fear for the believer, for death has been conquered, and we will rise and live for eternity with Jesus. And help us, Lord, this Easter morning to be obedient to his call to go and tell the good news. And may we do that as a church family with greater vision and greater heart for this city to plant churches, to tell our friends, to tell the gospel in the universities in this city, in the streets, in our neighbourhoods, with our friends and our families, with the words of the Lord Jesus ringing in our ears. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And we pray these things in the name of the risen Jesus and for his sake. Amen.